0: Hey everyone, this is Greg. And before we start the podcast, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsors. Our first sponsor is Cloud MLX from, you guessed it, Lone Wolf Technologies. Your MLS system needs a dust off, an upgrade, a fresh perspective. With Cloud MLX, the creative team at Lone Wolf have done just that. It's a redo under the premise, what if I could search my MLS like Google? You don't need to replace your existing MLS system software. Just provide Cloud MLX as the easy MLS search solution to your members. They will love you for it. Check out CloudMLX and the rest of the Cloud Agent Suite at cloudagentsuite.com. Also, I'm very excited to announce from Rob Hahn, the Notorious ROB, comes the Notorious VIP. As a Notorious VIP member, you'll get exclusive access to Rob's intelligent analysis, written and audio commentary, plus op-ed style articles. The Notorious VIP is a monthly or yearly subscription for those in the industry that want to go a few levels deeper. So please sign up at notorious-rob.com. I'll put a link to both sponsors in the show notes. Also, if any of our listeners are interested in sponsoring the Industry Relations Podcast, please drop me a line at gregrobertson at gmail.com. Hey, thanks again for listening. And now, on with the show.
1: Hey, everybody, what a surprise and shock. Uh, I know you thought that industry relations was dead. I kind of wondered myself since I think the last episode we had was in August, but here we are. Greg and I are back to wrap up 2021 because we beat ourselves up uh, in preparation for the show and said we actually need to start doing this more often. So, how are you, Greg? Good to see you. Hola, Rob. Hola. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's been a while. Since the last Ola, for sure, right?
1: Seriously, we we really owe an apology to the audience, you know, to the extent that we might have any left, because if I were the audience, (laughs) I would have abandoned us. I think we said uh, our last show was in August.
0: Yeah, that's crazy to think about. August 11th is what it's showing on my screen. And I I can't
1: believe that's true. It must be true, because, I mean, you're the one who posts these damn things, and that sounds about right.
0: Yeah, God. It's been a...
1: So first of all, let us both apologize to any listener who might- It's all
0: my fault, really, Rob. It's really, you know- it's True, that is true. Yeah, it is all your (laughs) fault because
1: you have a very important job now. I'm
0: working for the man now, dude. That's right, very
1: important company,
0: yeah. (laughs) Somebody told me this is totally true. It's like, when you own your own company, you get to like decide what's important and what to focus on, right? And now working for somebody else, they're deciding- for me, what's important and what I should be working on. So it's like, right. just a, it's been a different, a different world here, but um, that's right. November 30th was our year anniversary and that's gone by pretty quickly. So yeah, um, yeah I mean, you know, but you're right. I think we've got some, we had, a, just to let everybody know, we had a meeting about this before this uh, broadcast and we have a plan for 2022. That's right. We're going to be very regulated and very that's right. persistent about that's right. following that Regimen, that's
1: right, that's so, right. Um, and we hopefully. have a producer yep. who's going to uh, keep us on the, the narrow track and uh, improve this overall experience yes. for everybody.
0: Making so some very excited, big investments here. So that's right, yeah.
1: And as the first show of the year, because it is New Year's Eve as we're recording this, we could do a retrospective of 2021, or we could do a forward-looking 2022. Which one do you want to? I
0: think it's. I think we can do both here. I mean, you okay, know, uh, and I think. You know, one thing I'll I'll just bring up here, Rob, um, yeah. just to talk to you about, because maybe some of our listeners know and some of them don't. But I mean, I read you religiously, right? Even though we don't <laughs> talk on here, I love your blog and I, I love um, getting your insights. They're, you know, mostly crazy, but hey, you know, it's all good. That's the point, man. <laughs> That's the
1: point. Make people think.
0: Right. That's exactly. And you totally do that for, for me, especially. But, you know, some of the stuff I've seen you put out there is like, I'm done with critiquing the industry. I'm done with this. I'm going to be more future think I'm going to be more into these new technologies and things like that. And, you know, and I I think I reached out to you while this was going on a little bit and maybe, and I was like, Rob, you can't stop being Rob and just, you know, be the future guy. I mean, people still want to hear your voice. Right. I think they want to hear our voice, our voices here. So I just, you know, can you make like a, yeah, kind of so, clarification or or yes. you know, are, you
1: know. Yes, indeed. Let me clarify. Let me walk that back a little bit. So here's what I meant by that. I feel like I've spent 10 years of my career, you know, really wanting the best for the industry, right? Like I never set out on any of this stuff to bash anybody or you know make anybody feel bad. Right? It was just I was just seeing these these things that needed to be reformed. You know, whether we're talking about the MLS or realtor associations or brokerage models or agent productivity or marketing or any of the stuff that I've been writing and talking about, you know, over the last 11, I mean, you know, a lot of years. It's a while, yeah. It's a lot of years. And what I kind of came to was, I felt like I was sort of demotivated in a way to keep writing about some of those things because I felt like, what do you think is there for me to say, right? Like everyone knows what I think, like everyone understands, everyone knows anybody that's ever read me or listened to me that things like professionalism, you know? Like this is a problem, and here are some ways that we could solve that. It, it isn't as if there's some new idea or new secret thing, something like MLS or data. You know, like I've been talking about IDX and VOW and syndication being the same since like 2006, or you know, like like when I started the stamp thing. Like so, it isn't like I felt like I was starting to run out of same old reform type
0: things. Right, right.
1: And at the same time, I felt like me just continue to repeat that. Was starting to be a little bit like hectoring, a little bit like like just poking people, like, you know, you know what to do, like they'll do this, they'll do this. And it, I just felt like that was counterproductive, right? At the same time, and I guess this will play part of our 2021 retrospective, right? Is I did undergo a pretty significant personal evolution in 2021 because I started to see what's happening with things like blockchain, this new technology, with things like the economy with demographics, with, you know, decentralization as a, as a trend. And these are things that I think are going to be profoundly important to the industry that no one else is really talking about. Right. So what I wanted to do was just continue on the, the message sort of remains the same, which is I want what's best for the industry. I mean, this industry, I stay in it because it has some of the best people I've ever met, like real salt to the earth, real, just great men and women, you know, I just thought like, how can I add value to them? Like personally for, you know, obviously from a consulting standpoint, I try to add value to my clients right. all the time, but as a commentator, as a blogger, as a podcaster, like how can I bring some value to them? And I felt like maybe the way to do that is to talk about these trends, clarify these trends, you know, educate people on what these things mean, may not mean, and then sort of suggest how this will impact their day-to-day lives. And those are the types of conversations that are not happening right now. So that's, that's kind of what I meant by it. I don't think it meant that like that I would stop talking about or, you know, even if it's hurtful to some extent, because I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm just pointing out what I think is obvious. You know, like as uh, we do have to talk about Zillow, you know, like Zillow 3.0 is coming. We don't know what that looks like. When it does come, I will certainly have opinions about it. But it wasn't that. It was more like I wanted to stop, I don't know, the constant repetitive, like do this, do this, do this. You know, it's like, there's only so many ways we can talk about improving the MLS. You know, There's only so many ways we could talk about, you know, MLS technology being outdated and backwards. There's only so many ways I could talk about that, right? And everyone knows kind of where I stand on a lot of those things. It was just, I wanted to bring like a slightly fresher perspective with the goal at the end of the day, well, what are we trying to do? We're trying to help families buy and sell houses. You know, we're trying to help real estate investors, you know, make return their money we're trying to help good brokers and good agents navigate, you know, all this chaos and all these changes. And I'm like, I think we can do that right without losing, you know, if you will, anything, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I can't be anything other than me. You know, you can't be anything other than you. We have strong opinions, but my strong opinions are weakly held because, you know, if I, if there's evidence, that's the, the best way right, to do it. Yeah. yeah I, I'll change my mind, you know, but until such a point, I think that's kind of what I meant by it. And that's hopefully what we'll do this year, you know, as we go forward into this new kind of more disciplined, more regular industry relations, we're still going to have similar conversations in the similar tone and in a similar perspective of like, I'm not trying to bullshit anybody. I have no agenda to push, you know, this is just what I see. And I think our audience finds that valuable from both of us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad to hear that. I'm that that's i uh, I'm glad to hear that. Cause I mean, I was going to miss some of these posts or some of these conversations. So that's, that's yeah. a good thing. But I mean, if we're looking back to, t- to 2021, I mean, yeah. you could almost frame it um, because this kind of, I think has some consequences for other things in the industry. I know we don't like to get too political here, but with well, we the January to. 6th, sure. right. You know, and the, and the new administration and how that started the year off in such a weird, weird kind of way. Sure. And then, you know, to me that, that's triggered a lot of things, you know, that was not triggered, but I think it was another thing that kind of caused NAR to do a, you know, to do a lot of uh, different things there were not caused them to do, but really highlighted some of the things that were happening there. There were some realtors involved with that and such. Right. And then that's kind of more on the political route. But I think the other thing that kind of was the, uh, a thing that started a lot of things was um, Zillow buying showing time. Mm-hmm. And to me, those were two little kind of touch points, inflection points. I really that went to two different directions in a way. Um, one kind of more wonky in industry things, and the other one, a, you know, a bit more wonky, but more yeah. NAR and, yeah. as you like to say, wokeness about NAR and things like that.
1: Let's start with what we think might be the most important events of 2021. Right, the, and I'll start. Right. Okay. I think for me, the most important event of 2021. There are many, but I'll, I'll start with this one is the FTC is the Biden executive order. I think is going to be the most important event of 2021. Right? So obviously, you know, anyone who's listening to say probably have read all of my writings on it, but in retrospect, I think the whole DOJ NAR lawsuit thing was one thing. That's really not the, the real important thing that happened. The real important thing is Biden comes into office issues an executive order around competition. And most people just thought that as going after big tech, right? going after Facebook and Google. Uh, you know, he obviously nominates uh, Lena Khan as the new head of the FTC. But buried in that executive re- order was an order to the FTC to go regulate real estate brokerage and listings. That I think, in retrospect, is the most important, significant thing of 2020. Well,
0: really, and, and and that was, and I think this happened in 2021 is by the DOJ ripping up the agreement. Correct, correct. Right. That was a personification of that. Of correct.
1: all of that, right? Correct, so DOJ rips up the uh, agreement, and then like three days later, Biden issues ex- ex- this executive order. And yeah. we haven't seen the FTC act yet, but I suspect that we're going to see that in 2022, which is why it was one of my big predictions in my seven predictions post, is we're going to see the first of the big regulations come down from the FTC. So to me, that's probably the most important event of 2021. What about you? Yeah,
0: I think that's definitely one of them. Now, I will come from a different perspective. I sure. mean, being the publisher of Vendor Alley. So, you know, I look at things a little bit more and not to say that that isn't like going to affect business. It totally would. will. But by Zillow buying Showing Time, mm-hmm. that, is, yep. that has dropped a bomb in the way vendors and MLSs, mm-hmm. associations mm-hmm. do business.
1: I agree, why do you think that happened? I mean, I completely agree with you that that is one of the big you know, events, but why?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it, it is a, still a bit of a mystery. It's like, like the other thing to me is like Dot Loop. Mm-hmm. Why, right? They have this transaction management solution that some agents use, but they're now being involved with LoanWood. There's a myriad of others, and a myriad of others with a lot more adoption and, and, and coverage around the country. And it's not like that has been a revolutionary thing that has done anything for, right. for Zillow that I can see. They don't really highlight it a lot. And this showing time things seems almost the same thing. It's like people are afraid of now that they'll see the data. They've said the same thing about dot loop. We're separating the whole things. And you know, I'll take them at their word for now that they're doing that. But it seems like this very long play that on both of them, I, I haven't really seen the long play happen for, dot loop. And I'm not sure when we're going to, if, if and that was a years ago, right? So what is going to be the final final for the showing time thing? Mm-hmm. And I will tell you the way that that went down, you know, that has caused a lot of uh, consternation with MLS boards and association boards all over the country, more than in the dot loop thing, because the fact of a participant of an MLS becoming a major vendor of that MLS has just, it's been a, a craziness that nobody ever kind of thought of happening. And now you just see the shards of that being after that's been shattered of all these different showing services and everything else. Sure, None of them that I, I believe they're as good as showing time. I mean, there's a reason why they took over. It's not only smart business people over there with Scott and Michael, but um, it's hard to create some a hit like that, an overnight success, like, like showing time. Right? right. But it has caused a lot of uh, MLSs, to start making decisions, in a lot of a lot of people, a lot of brokers, to start basing decisions on fear of the unknown, and I don't think any decisions based on fear is a good thing, sure. right? But as far as your original question, I don't, I, I couldn't tell. It's data, obviously, but they said that data is going to be separate, so maybe it's you know they also talk about creating some sort of like you know next level showing experience because the quotes that I read from, I think it was Errol that had said something where. You know, a really high percentage of, of people requesting showing the agent doesn't show, hmm. right? Or, or one of the two parties doesn't show. I don't know if it's the agent or the thing. So, fixing that seems like a, a problem to fix. But um, how they get there from from that acquisition um, remains to be seen. But I think you know, I'm you know, you already see MLS is buying other buying sure. software companies. They're becoming software companies themselves. They're in, have created like funds to buy upcoming vendors for that you know, I've said this before, but it really does smell to me like what happened a few years ago with the franchisors and some brokerages saying, we're not a, we're not, you know, famously Keller Williams said this, we're not a real estate company, we're a technology company. For sure. And now MLS organization, and and I don't think that's gone very well for them, honestly. And now we're seeing MLS organizations say, well, we're not an MLS organization. You know, we're a technology company.
1: It's sure. a little, yeah, yeah, little not, not quite to that. to that
0: extent, but yeah, I know what you right. mean. Right. Well, yeah. th- there are to be to be yeah. clear, there are a lot of MLS organizations, MLS providers that have their own MLS system that's homegrown. Yeah. Andy yeah. Ives comes to to mind yeah. over at Claw. Yeah. MLS Pen, yeah. MLS Pen, Brad in Utah. Yep. Right. So, um, I mean, there are there are people that are doing up in RMLS yeah. in Portland, but for the most part, you know, having basically started or run software companies most of my adult life, it's not for the faint-hearted. No right, so it's it's yeah. uh, it's it's easy to declare yourself that, but um, you know it's a different skill set for yeah. sure.
1: Yeah. Let me ask you a question before, because I think it's connected to probably my second big event. Do you think it would have made a difference? Because you made the point that you know MLS is freaked out because of a participant becoming a major vendor. You know, something they had never seen before. Do you think it would have been the same if Realogy had bought Showing Time? Oh, for sure. You do? Yeah. See, I don't.
0: Well, no, actually, I, I'll take that back a little bit, right? Yeah. It might have because, remember, Realogy is kind of, it's a, an odd bird, right? They have their, most of it is a franchise business. And then they have the NRT, whatever. I know they call it something different
1: now. But. Real, real, uh, Realogy brokerage service, brokerage right. service, so something like that. The, yeah.
0: the Realogy franchise business is not a participant. They're a franchisor, right. right? So Zillow doesn't have that. They're a broker. They're 100% a broker. Right. So with the Realogy thing, you have those two things there. So I don't know if it would cause as big as a stink. So you think it would cause.
1: Okay. So let's say it was EXP. Right. I mean, again, right. Where they're just a brokerage. In other words, I think this was still the last hurrah of the anti Zillow hate. Right. I don't know. Last hurrah.
0: I I think there's a lot of hurrah left in that, bro.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I, yeah. I'm i always
0: surprised how,
1: I mean... <laughs> how deep and wide it goes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the are yeah.
0: strong and wide. And it just... I
1: get you. That's, but that's my point. I I just wonder, because it's counterfactual. You just don't know. But if EXP had bought Showing Time, I don't know if we would have seen the same level of freak out. I think there would have been some resistance. Like, what what does this mean? Oh, and no. EXP... I mean,
0: Zillow had a multiplier to itself. Yeah. And, yeah, and they, yeah. you know, they built that up over time, right? So. <laughs> No, there's definitely yeah. a multiplier for, yeah. for Zillow when they did that. But yeah. I mean, still, yeah, um, pretty significant.
1: All right. So that leads to my second big event for me of 2021. And it's kind of related in this way. I think the second big event of 2021 was Zillow exiting the iBuyer business.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And the way they did it. And it's related in this sense. I wonder if they would have ever done the showing time acquisition. Yeah, without,
0: that's that's very curious. because. Right? when you asked me the question, I was going to say, well, they were going to do it to use it for offers. Um, their, their offers and whatever right. else, but we'll never know now. Cause they're we'll ne- they're right. obviously going to front that. No, no, no. It had nothing to do with this. This is a right. track for this. Right,
1: right, blah, right. Blah, blah, blah. But I, I really wonder, cause I don't think they acquire showing time if it weren't for Zillow offers. And the shocking thing of 2021, when they pulled out was just the speed of it, the way they went about it. Like, you know, we hear, Hey, we're gonna pause this buy buying thing for a couple of weeks to just work through our inventory, and then two weeks later, it's like, yeah, we out.
0: Well, you you've written you're pretty skeptical. I wrote yeah,
1: pretty that, about why
0: yeah. they it didn't make sense that they left that. Correct. And there, there has to be other reasons than the ones Correct. that they stated about basically not trusting their algorithm. I mean, there's right. the irony of that. Oof. I mean, the yeah. irony of that is uh, just thick as a dog, yeah. right? Yeah. But um,
1: it was so but, bad.
0: Yeah, to be clear, you're you're still skeptical about there are stated reasons for leaving and iBuying, right?
1: Oh yeah, no, I don't, I don't buy for a second. Yeah, I, I think the Business Insider article since then talking about Project Ketchup, I think those make a lot of sense. And I think in light of that, I understand why they did what they did. In other words, what they did makes no sense other than the explanation of Project Ketchup. And so for anybody who hasn't read, who hasn't aware, fundamentally Project Ketchup is an internal Zillow project that came out, you know, sort of saw of the light of day after Zillow said, "We're out of the eye business, Business Insider, which is not a real estate publication, it's just a regular right, right. business finance publication, went and did this like series of reports talk interviewing like Zillow offers employees and you know uh, some of their contractors, and what they discovered essentially is that Zillow offers had this mandate to catch up in market share to Open Door. In order to do that, they were willing to overpay for houses. Like, in other words, they were overriding what the algorithm
0: told right, them. Right, right. to basically. win,
1: Right, to win the house, right? Because they figured, you know what? Uh, it's going to be fine. We want to take market share. The big mistake was that as they were doing that, they didn't just say, we're going to spend more money to buy the house. They said, we're going to take money out of the contracting budget, right? The repair budget to bid more. So we're going to go squeeze our contractors. That I think was the fatal error right? yeah. because, you know, and I wrote about this, but, you know, Sonny has 10 years experience in, you know, in construction and, and that whole thing. It's like, look, you cannot go piss off contractors because they all talk. And yeah. when, they, when they decide, you know what? You're not somebody you want to work with. And then 2021, you know, the whole like great resignation, supply chain problems, all of that. It's not like these contractors were short of labor, like <laughs> they were short on work, right? So if Open Door and Pad are willing to pay them full rate and pay them on time and Zillow's not, dude, that's fatal. Yeah.
0: And, and, I, and yeah. the question is, and, and I think Mike Dillpretty said this or somebody else, but I mean, what I just thought was like a little much though is like. It seemed like everybody in the planet then came out and said, oh, this is the stupidest idea ever. That's right. The right. same guys that were praising these guys up and down right. were all all getting into getting this as well. Of course, this would never work. Of course, this would right. never work. Right. right. And I just thought that was disingenuous. But I will say, being a big uh, avid kind of listener or reader of Stratechery from Ben Thompson, mm-hmm. and basically uh, Rich Barton saying that, you know, some of the reading that he had done of Ben's work was, of seeing really that that Open Door was an existential threat to Zillow. And that caused him to rethink a lot of things and, and kind of go into this space. Right. And by leaving, and whether it's for the reasons they stated or, or the reasons in reason, yeah. this project catch up and everything else, or a little bit of both, right? What is it now? Are they still an existential threat? What is this, uh, I guess, Zillow 3.0 going to look like? Sure. The other things I've heard is that with the oncoming co-star owning homes.com and that kind of, we saw, you know, I guess you didn't see it, but you know, I saw the big launch party in San Diego that the co-star through with the country music guy, um, Keith Urban, Keith Urban, the Australian country music guy, which I thought was very, that's right. (laughs) Very funny. And it was a big party. So, so to me, were they, were they stopped like, okay, you know what, this is something that's going to really threaten us. This is more of an, existential threat, this co-star mm-hmm. buying Homes.com and, and Homesnap and going out into the market, into our space, we mm-hmm. don't want them to do what they did to us in rentals. And they, mm-hmm. they figured, okay, in order to do that, we can't fight a two front type of situation. Mm-hmm. We're going to go back to what we know and make sure that's short up and, and then see what happens, right? I mean, that's another yeah. kind of theory I've heard.
1: It's possible. I mean, it is entirely possible, but I guess where I sit right now, I still think Open Door is an existential threat to Zillow. And I think Opendoor's quarterly earnings, you know, like their results are banging.
0: Yeah.
1: Because right? they didn't have Project Ketchup. They didn't fuck over their contractors. Their results were banging. I think when they report Q4 results, it's going to be banging again. You know, there's some other problems with Open Door. There's some other problems with the whole market maker model. And here's why it ends up being an existential threat. Because this industry, as you and I both know so well, right? And what's the saying? List to last. Yeah. Is whoever controls the listings controls yeah. the industry. That's why agent teams have taken over. That's why, okay, well, open door is now the, I mean, they're left as like king of the hill in having some sort of online tool, app, resource, whatever, for home sellers. Right. To me, that's why Zillow got into the game. They realized, look, we, we have all the buyer traffic in the world. We don't have anything for sellers. We need to do Zillow offers to have something to offer to sellers and it was brilliant when they did it. I mean, I, I was going, going back and rereading some of my red dot reports and such. It was so brilliant. It was so elegant.
0: And this is with the marketplace they had before, right?
1: With the, even with the marketplace. And yeah. then when they pivoted to, we're going to start buying ourselves, like, look, you have to have some sort of offering to homeowners. Yeah. Right. And now they don't. So presumably, they're going to have to come up with something like whatever Zillow 3.0 looks like in 2022, they're going to have to have some sort of offering to home sellers. If it's not going to be Zillow offers like, hey, raise your hand and let us know if you're interested in selling your home, we will buy it from you. If it's not going to be that, it has to be something, right? Like they have to have some reason for homeowners yeah. to go to Zillow and say, hey, I'm interested in selling my
0: home. That's, that's a tough market. I think if you talk to a lot of vendors out there, I know this is true for us. I mean, you know, those seller leads, the prices on those things are going way, way up. Of course. It's a very competitive market. Of course. Because, you of know, course, low supply and everything else, right? Of course. So that's, that's a tough nut to crack. And, and if they can crack doing something there because of their traffic, you know, they don't yeah. have to pay it on the open market. I mean, that, yeah. that is definitely going to be something there. So I'm, yeah. I'm sure they, they've got a lot of smart people there. They're going to think about what that is. But um, yep. yeah, it's, yeah, I'm sure. it's be interesting to watch, right? Yeah.
1: Sure. I, I mean, it's off the top of my head right now, if I had to guess, it would be something like get connected with the best agent in your area who could represent you kind of thing. And they'll probably launch some sort of a. Like
0: and a I hate this term, kind of the
1: power buyer. I've been calling yeah. it the bridge loan model. Yeah, yeah. To me, they're they're both i buyers, but whatever. we will go yeah. with whatever that, term. It, the,
0: the problem there is that those guys need a category name, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's never going to really take off unless they, they kind of yeah. name themselves. So segment. I guess
1: it's power buyer, right? You know, e <laughs> buyer
0: I, is that? Is yeah. That, is
1: that? <laughs> you know, uh, so I think Zillow is probably going to launch something like that you know, to try and offer something to homeowners, like, hey, list with, you know, like use one of our premier agents and we will make our, power, you know, bring cash right. to the table so that you could buy your next home. Some, some, something, you know, it'll have to be something like that, but I don't know. We'll see no, what happens.
0: It, in, when it started, it, it really was like all the pieces we're put, putting together. And this goes mm-hmm. back to kind of what you were talking about with showing time. It's like, they bought some mortgage companies, They bought some title companies. Okay. That's going to help them when they sell the house, they're going to have attachment rates up and blah, blah, blah. But now, and and you're saying showing time, maybe been a part of that solution. We don't know. Yeah. But it seems like now they have all these assets out there. That's right. In the whole, like everybody put those things together. Like, oh, the painting is revealing itself now. Right. Now I see what actually is being created. Right. But since them exiting this iBuyer stuff, it kind of like makes you go, huh?
1: It doesn't hang together anymore. Right, I right. mean. All of those yeah. made sense when you had iBuyer at the center, right? Well, okay, you take that out, it's like, yeah, I mean, why why, why does Zillow own a mortgage company?
0: Well, I mean, you know? I guess if, you know, if they're, they are still working with buyers, they have a lot of buyers, of course, right? So sure, there's attachment rates they can make on that, but I mean, that's a tough sell, too. To-
1: it's a totally tough sell, and not only that, but as we know, that piece right there will bring them into 100 percent existential conflict with brokerages
0: because a lot of brokerages have their own things or they have partnerships with everything yeah
1: and that's where they make all their profits same thing with title right that's where the brokers make all their money like they're happy to give away all the commission to agents as long as they can capture a mortgage title escrow business okay well zillow launched mortgage title escrow business That only made sense if you have Zillow offers and you're saying, listen, we have title, we have escrow, we have mortgage, but really we only have this so that we could do it on our own homes, right? Okay. Well, you no longer have your own homes. Why do you still have mortgage title and escrow? Yeah. And Zillow's going to have to come up with some sort of answer. Like it doesn't hang together showing time. It made perfect sense. Look, we have Zillow offer. We have homes and we want to enable showings of our properties real efficiently. And of course there'll be some benefit to premier agents. Okay, now you don't have your own homes. Now, why do you have it? Right? right, it it doesn't. It just doesn't hang together as well. So we'll see. I mean, you know, look, I'm the last person in the world to discount. You know, the incredibly smart people over there in Zillow. You know, like I think Susan Daimler's the next CEO. She's really smart. You know, like I'm sure they'll figure something out. We don't know what it is, but in kind of our Retrospective on 2020. I think that's one of the biggest. Yeah, see, I, I
0: I don't know. I mean, I've interviewed Susan before. I, I think totally she's great. She's great. But Rich Barton exiting, you know, not a good look. Let's just say that. If he uh, steps down yeah. to the CEO after this, and there's no clear like big win or like things have turned around, really not a good look. And I, I think that guy's part of the thing he wanted to do here with this iBuyer stuff that Zillow offers is like really cement his reputation. Not that any, I mean, he's, he's a legend already, right? but you know, he want to be a Bezos. You want to be a, you know, you want to be a jobs. You want to be, you know, these to get in that next level of like, when you think of like, it's Barton. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You want that last name club, man. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I think you had a chance here to, when you transform real estate like that and you're the man like that. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. But you know, I can't see him stepping down anytime soon unless I just, I can't see it. I mean, he, he, again, he put it out there. This was his thing. Mm -hmm. This was, these guys were an existential threat. He went and interviewed, had a podcast with Ben Thompson on this. This This is why I'm coming back. This is, you know, and, and I'm coming back, right. I'm the CEO now, man. I would say, I understand not to say anything about Susan or any other candidate over there that we don't know about, but I just don't see it. I don't see him exiting anytime soon until so
1: you're talking about my prediction that Rich Barton retires again next year. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, we'll see, like all my, all my predictions are guaranteed wrong or your money back. Right. So (laughs) that, but here's the thing. I mean, when I think about that, what would Rich Barton have to do now without iBuyer to have that type of
0: impact? He would have to change the game. Like, and I think you said this, if there was some way that they could, something they launched, yeah. That would like really change the way you look at about getting seller leads and then yeah. showing that working. I think that, that kind of does it. But, but you know what yeah. I mean,
1: like, I don't see too many pathways. I, I, you know, there might be one or two where he could manage something like that still. And still, so, in other words, so 10 years from now, when the, whatever business historians are writing the history of the 21st century, and they're bringing up Bezos and Elon Musk and, you know, and then they'll bring up Rich Barton, transformed housing. What is he going to have to nothing, do nothing. I mean,
0: yeah, that's, that's right? tough.
1: That's so tough. If, if the answer is there, there really isn't anything out there, or at least there isn't anything where he wants to take that kind of chance and risk, because he's already shown, look, so one of the things that stratecary praised Barton for was, it's very, very difficult to make tough, tough decisions where you just stop yourself from throwing good money after bad. And he's saying, like, the thought yeah, was Mitch no. Barton made that decision. No, to
0: come, totally. Right? And, that, that and is- it
1: was hard. Yeah. And he made that call. Yeah. All right. If he was willing to make that call to the tune of two-thirds of the valuation of Zillow getting wiped out, <laughs> I don't know that he would, like, again, he do not have anything left to prove to anybody other than historians. He's already a billionaire. He already, you know what I mean? Like, why? If I'm him, I just go, look, I, I you know, I'm going to stop doing good money after bad. Yeah. Even my personal attention—is it better spent managing the Zillow 3.0 thing, or should I maybe be following like uh, uh, Jack Dorsey, right. right? Saying you know I'm out and I'm gonna go work on blockchain. I'm gonna go work on something that whatever the next thing is, as opposed to
0: Wait, I just yeah, I just thought of something there. What couldn't happen is Open Door and Offer Pad go fucking belly up, and and that whole model just turns out to be not a success. And then Rich Barton stands up and goes, told you motherfuckers, Right? told you I so. Suppose. And he was, you know, and he was the guy that was smart enough. I suppose. I mean, if this ever happens to say, I knew there was a problem here. I left yeah. it. Yeah. And, and, and that's the case, right? Because, you know, I've heard, you know, my prediction is less, I would always say less than 10% of the market would go with iBuyers. Mm-hmm. That's still a fucking phenomenal, you know, Tam, yeah. that's a yeah. still a phenomenal company. Even if it's split in a, in a few by a few companies to reach to, but um yeah. if that doesn't happen, he might have the last laugh. You he know, might,
1: so. but you know, like I said, look, there's some re- There's that maybe is a whole show we need to do, or you know, further okay. down this year. But I, I'm still very bullish, on iBuying. I'm still very bullish, and no, marketing. I, I am too. I am too. And you know, we could get into all that. So, which means open door. You know, they'll, they'll, they might be rocky. Might be, you know, whatever, up and down. Who knows what happens to the economy, et cetera. But fundamentally, I'm just looking at it, the experience is simply better. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, it's, it's comparing focus. It's just focus, and it's comparing Uber to taking a taxi. I mean, it's just simply better. So if Open Door could just make the price be comparable, dude, it's it's not going to be ten percent. It's going to be sixty percent. You know, so we'll see. And the thing is, Open Door, like you said. That's the only thing they focus on. They don't care about a portal business. They're just focused on this doing power buyer, doing all this other stuff, you know, so it could be that 10 years out, the business historians are talking about Eric Wu, the man who transformed housing instead of Rich Barton. Right. Right. That might piss off Rich Barton, but you know what? Does he want to throw good money after bad? Does he want to throw good years after bad? Right. Because I got to tell you, man, next year is this year. It's not going to be easy for Zillow.
0: Oh, it's everybody's going to be watching him for sure.
1: It's not going to be easy, you know? So we'll and see. You know
0: what? I don't think the consumers really see a lot of it, but you know, the, the realtors do, right? The, the yep. realtors that saw what happened yep. and how mm-hmm. some of those homeowners and everything else that happened and some of the offers being taken yeah. off the table, they had already had enough fodder <laughs> and so yeah. just handed them another silver platter or shit yeah. to, to complain about.
1: Yeah. yeah, but you know, like to me, the, what, the other thing that was so significant about Zillow doing what it did is it really shook their air of the aura of inv- invisibility, right. right? Cause before that everyone hated Zillow, right? not everyone, but you know what I mean? There's all yeah. this Zillow hate, but the Zillow hate was coupled with, but it's Zillow and they're so powerful. They're so wealthy. They're so successful. We can't fight them. Might as well join them. This puts a huge dent in that aura of invincibility. Oh,
0: totally. Yeah.
1: And I think that what that then results in is a lot more agents and brokers and MLS is thinking, you know, like, let's, let's fuck with Zillow. Like what can they really do to us? You know?
0: Well, yeah. And I think maybe that comes to, um, you know, some other things that we can talk about, but sure. um, to me, I, I guess if we're going down bigger stories, Yeah. Um, big events, big events. I would say, you know, two things happening with NAR and the first thing is basically the policy changes made in regard to transparency and some other things about listing data Mm -hmm. um, that were passed. And then we might argue about this also here is what I thought was um, pretty brave of NAR with, with Charlie talking about apologizing for,
1: for the racism.
0: Yeah. The racism that NAR, you know, was part of sure, the past. Sure. Um, Because I think any any sort of like reconciliation has to have some sort of recognition and apology there. Right. So I thought that was very brave of of Charlie and in to do that. Um, Okay. now you can now now we can argue about, you know, first of all, I think there's two separate things here. But, you know, I know you have a lot to say and have said a lot about. So let's let's go through the speech kind of thing. Yeah. And then the other thing to me is is mostly on this attribution stuff. Uh, yeah, it's really more wonky and technical with the with the so list. Let,
1: let's take that actually in that order. Okay. So you you said um, I don't know if I agree or disagree. It's I mean it they did it, mm-hmm. but tell me why you think NAR passing that transparency rule was such a big deal.
0: Well, I think first of all, it's interesting to me because I hear a lot of people complain, and mostly it's the you know, in the in the media or or government or something saying you know, oh, this is not negotiable. This is not, you know, nobody ever talks about this. And, and granted, there are some practices that were going on that saying, oh, it's free because the seller pays, right? That has been rampant right. and that has not been correct. So for sure, we, we had to fix that. But I know personally, like, you know, making, you know, I guess the most popular CMA application in the country, yeah. that we would have content in those CMAs that talked about exactly how the commission is paid. Mm-hmm. Right now, it didn't say this is all negotiable, but I mean, it's a sale. Every, if you don't think if you're not negotiating, you're 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 a lamb being led to slaughter here. Right. So I didn't really when I when I heard about this stuff, I really didn't feel it was like as 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 widespread of like, oh, these. It's some sort of cartel and realtors are just getting all this money because it's not negotiable or anything else, or they're not they're not being authentic about or or being transparent. That's the word I was looking for, about that. This is all negotiable, right? So it 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 caught me a little bit by surprise. Like that's people are think that none of this stuff is negotiable. They they don't understand how commission the commission works and who's paying and everything else. I didn't really get that. Now, when a lot of stuff came to light where you know you could search upon listings that, you know, didn't offer full commission. You could, a lot of agents were putting in their ads, you know, you know, you don't pay anything the seller pays and maybe they're not as, as open as they should be. I thought, okay, you know what, those are, those are some things that I didn't really kind of think about, but yeah, those are practices that I think should change. But at the end of the day, you know, and you know, you, you will disagree with me on this. I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference because I think people at the end of the day, they want that handheld. They want that trusted advisor um, on the buy side too. They want somebody to say, you know what, it's okay. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. The millennials, okay, they're all on the internet. They're all tech savvy. They're all everything else. But you know what? They who were they raised by helicopter parents. And those helicopter parents, when there are big things to be having, they held their hand and they listened to their they listen to their mom and dad. That's who yeah. they are, right? Yeah. And that realtor in this situation are going to be, they're going to do all their work, but they want that somebody to be there to make sure they're making the right decision. And they're going to pay all day, buddy. Now, maybe this transparency opens up like, oh, now I see it on the listing. Now I see it on things. I think it'll have some sort of downward pressure. Yes. But going away, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not in this generation. So then why do you think it's a big deal? Well, you know what
1: I mean, like, if it's a big deal because it's going to change something. Like, if if you feel like it's not really going to change anything, it doesn't feel like any of the NAR transparency actions are a big deal. Then
0: I, I think it's a big deal, and 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 this goes back to everything else. Is like that the organization itself was open to like, yeah, you know what? I, I'm not going to put a blind eye to this. It might not be unpopular, but we know we're going to recognize that these there's some bad actors here that are not doing in the spirit of what we put here. And therefore we're gonna do something. So the fact of making an action and just instead of like letting it go on the way it has been. And I know part of that strategy is they want to just comply with the DOJ thing that got ripped up, but still, you know, doing something instead of doing nothing, absolutely, I think that's a good I, thing.
1: I mean, I guess the way I look at it is like we have to call something a big deal if it's gonna change something in the future. But if your position well, is that okay, this isn't going to change I, anything I, in the future. I, hold on,
0: hold on. I'm in the opinion it's not going to change much on that, that buy side of things, okay? Yeah. There are many other people that are going to say, this is the best thing, slice sliced bread. So don't yeah. take my, Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm kind of speaking for everybody that I have an opinion, but I'm sure there's somebody on the other side yeah, yeah, that's I'm, 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 going to yeah. say that this is huge now because it will, this is the first domino that's going to click over buyer's compensation going completely away. There's gotcha. that crowd for sure, right? Yeah. I'm just not on that crowd.
1: Yeah. All right. Like I said, I mean, before we even agree or disagree, I just look at it as if it's not going to have a real impact. This feels to me like when Congress passed, you know, does one of those like, you know, declaring whatever June fourteenth as National Secretary Day, right? Like, I guess you took an action, but it doesn't change anything, so it's not really a big deal. So it's a big deal if it changes something for me. If it doesn't change anything, it's not a big deal. Uh, For myself, I find out too. I mean, I I could find out. Right. Yeah, and so I could be wrong. Yeah. Maybe
0: I think it maybe, maybe I would frame it as a potential of being a big deal. Right. <laughs> I don't think so. But I, you know, yeah. wanting yes. to give credence to or some, you know, voice to a lot of yeah. people that do. Well, okay, yeah. sure. We'll
1: see. All right. So, with the second one, you think the apologizing for past racism is a big deal. Same question. Why do you think it's a big deal? Do you think it changes something?
0: That's another good question here. I think it was the fact that an organization like NAR, and that there's mm-hmm. tons of organizations out there that probably have a similar past that they are still not, you know, have apologized or done anything about Right. that um, are not right. And I think for, for this organization to step up and make that apology, I think, yeah, I think it was a big deal, Rob. I mean, because it can show other companies that yes, you can do this, right? Yes, you can, you can still. So again,
1: it's my, what changes as a result of this apology? Well, so in 2022, what significant change will happen? Because NAR in 2021. I, said you know, we were me, racist. We're yeah, sorry.
0: I, I understand. I mean, it's it's hard to kind of go a one for one, a quid pro quote type of thing here. But mm-hmm. the vibe and culturally for more and more organizations to recognize and and demonstrate and apologize for things that happened in the past, I think that helps people move forward. Uh, I, I'm I know. I understand. But what I'm saying
1: is move forward into what? Like what changes?
0: I, I think, you know, just the recognition that they've made. Will right. make others, who maybe like, well, you know, others that like for other organizations that haven't, like,
1: they'll also apologize. That,
0: well, hopefully, but I mean, sure. to me, there's you know, and you know, it's not some sort of critical race theory thing here, but right. you know, you know, th- this country wasn't so great back then. There was a mm-hmm. lot of things that happened that were bad towards people of color, and.
1: It's sure. Fine. No, I get it. So what changes? So let me, let me just use. a. I don't know. I don't know.
0: What, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going spread. to change, but, let, let but me just I know le- that yeah. you know, it, nothing was going to change if they did nothing. Let right? me ask so maybe those. this is some sort of thing that will, so, will help, help something happen.
1: Let's explore it by, let me use a ridiculous example. Okay. Okay. And I'm, I'm admitting up front this is ridiculous example. Okay. Somebody goes to the next NAR mid-year, whatever meeting some proposes a new code of ethics provision. Okay, that says realtors shall show houses to black and Hispanic consumers first. Because we have this racist past in order to make recompense, we are going to treat minority buyers and minority clients more favorably. Does that pass?
0: No, I mean, you know, and, right? and reparations There's no way it passes. Uh, reparations right. are a whole different subject, Rob. Um, Is it?
1: So you have this apology, but it's new provision, reparations provision, it's not going to pass. Right? And I would say, no, hell no, we're not doing that, right? So then, what's the, then what's
0: the impact of this apology?
1: Like you said, you're sorry, but you're not going to change your behavior. Like, does anybody care? Well, I,
0: I think there's a little bit of that in the recent Bloomberg article that says, okay, you know, but if you're going to make any real impact, I mean, yeah. let's bring it outside of the realm of what you're saying is a crazy thing. Okay, but like, will will you? commit will the industry commit to lowering the commission rates of African American buyers, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, that's only going to charge half to black And I know the Biden administration has some legislation about Mm -hmm. black homeownership, I believe, in their minority home home ownership. I don't know. It's it's a tough thing because I mean maybe this is a first step towards coming up with some sort of reparational thing for that in the country. Maybe, maybe it's that these types of things that have to kind of make people aware. But you know what this country has done to Look okay, I'm not disagreeing with laugh no, look I completely it agree it was completely evaporated by people sure. not being able to participate in home ownership is Sure all I, all as I'm asking is
1: No that's fine all I'm asking is this apology by Charlie Opler right what impact will it have in 2022
0: and beyond I'm looking at it like I don't know that it has any impact You know and and you know what like like I was saying with the last thing we don't know these things okay right. but I think it's a good thing that we are that somebody is starting somewhere instead of just being slow. Okay
1: all right. So since we're at the association, my third yeah, big man, thing. You, like,
0: <laughs> no, look, man. I like, wonder it's been since August since I've to <laughs> because I want to reach to the screen and strangle you for crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you want to strangle me? All I'm asking is no, what No, I mean, have. You're exactly right. right. You're exact, you're doing exactly what you should be doing. Yeah. And, and and making me kind of like back that up, that's, uh, that's uh, completely understandable. I'm so just,
1: you can do the same to me now, all right? Because I'm going to bring up
0: association. You, <laughs> Right. You salty. Yeah. <laughs> <bastard>. what, <laughs> what kind of joy are you going to suck out of everything now, buddy? <laughs> so,
1: from the Association for, I think the most important event in 2021 is Brandon Huber, right? The Missoula uh, realtor slash pastor. And he's being brought up on code of ethics charges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would have said it's the speech code, but the speech code was done in 2020. So, it didn't happen last year. What happened last year was some. Somebody brought up Brandon Huber on ethics charges and the Missoula organization of realtors, MOR is pursuing it. Right. And NAR is backing it. State association is defending it. That to me will be the most significant event of 2021 on the association front. For the reasons why I've written on my predictions and whatnot, that, I think what this says is we're very close to NAR just going complete splits. Right, where conservative and Christian realtors will just go, we don't want to have anything to do with this anymore. We're out. I think we're a step closer to that. And I don't know that we're going to see that in 2022, but you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. So let me, let me put it this way. I, don't, I it, don't know,
0: man. I mean, you know, to go after, I mean, this, this was basically he was condemning homosexuals. No. What was he doing?
1: He's the pastor of a church that decided to withdraw from a food bank program. Because? Because of, uh, they discovered that the food bank was including leaflets from the gay and lesbian organization in Missoula in their packages.
0: Right, so he was doing this because- Hold well, well, on,
1: before, so I just understand. And I, I'm, gonna, I'm probably gonna try and interview the guy and get his side of the story and really find out. And I'll see if I could interview someone from the other side, right? My understanding though is it, in the letter that was published, you know, everything else available in the media, if there's no condemnation. There's no whatever. They just say, we don't want to participate in this. It's against our values as a church. Right. right.
0: So homosexuality is is against their values. As a it's
1: church. it's against the religion, you know, against in, in their interpretation of the Bible. In their
0: interpretation. Right.
1: Okay. It wasn't like gays are going to burn in hell. Because one of the things that well, comes hold up on, is, Hold on, hold on.
0: It's exactly that, Rob. It's religion well, we're talking about here.
1: Hold on a second. So I'm going to bring this up. So in May- The NAR had a specific ruling because there was a pastor in Texas or Louisiana somewhere who got up and made a sermon that was actually gays and lesbians are evil in the sight of the Lord and they're going to burn in hell or something like that. It was real strong language.
0: If you're a pastor and you don't want any, you know, he's exactly saying they're going to burn in hell.
1: See, this is where it's like, that's not sort of, if you will, mainstream Christianity.
0: So what's they ma- say this
1: is a sin, but we love them. We love the sinner, hate the sin. There's all of that, right? I'm just pointing out this is the letter. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing hateful right. language-wise in the letter. <laughs>
0: I mean, you know, <laughs> right, right? So, you know, so hear me out. So, I'm agreeing. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean, religion. There's I have and Christianity. So
1: here's the thing, man. I'm agreeing with you to this extent. What that means is the belief itself is hateful. Right. Right. And what this case then? turns on is if the belief itself saying that homosexuality is a sin, you know, that's our interpretation of the Bible, that belief itself is hateful and is a violation of the speech code. That's what this will turn on. So no matter how polite you express it, no matter how much you couch it in, look, we love our gay and lesbian brothers and sisters, but we think homosexuality is a sin. Therefore, we're going to withdraw from this program and do our own thing. If that is a violation of the NR speech code, what it's saying is the belief itself is hateful is against the realtor code.
0: No, I mean, I appreciate the nuance you're giving. This, that's all right. I mean, right. I appreciate, I appreciate what you're the nuance, And
1: that's saying. why I think this is a big deal because if they rule against him, then what is telling every realtor who believes the same thing says, you can't be a realtor. We don't, we don't want you in our organization.
0: Right. But, but, but to me, the other part of that is like, then it opens up, like, I'm going to start the, the the church of Beelzebub. Sure. Right. And we think that Filipinos sure are, you know, um are,
1: are devil's children, are
0: devil's children. Sure. We're going to think that, you know, Swedish people are devil's children. And that's sure. my belief. Sure. So I'm going to, you know, when I do things like that, it's okay. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, and I think, you know, this also, there's, you know, a lot of this country has is, is turned a corner on, yeah. on that. And I think there's a lot of great, and I think a lot of great people that are accepting and, and Christians and Muslims and everybody, I, I just hope, you know, they can, uh, you know, not to make this too religious again, but people can find their better angels on this, but it is, it is a very nuanced case there. I, 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 understand what you're kind of saying. I mean, but it opens up another whole, you know, if, if that, if they do say, okay, it's because of religion, Right. It has open up another whole bag of worms there. And I yep. think that's your point, right? Is that right when you were when you first were talking about this, you were saying, hey, if you go down this road, it's it's a it's a pretty slippery slope,
1: right? Not just what I'm saying is there's an actual impact, right? So this event now, here's the thing let's say it goes the other way. Let's say N A R and M O R and you know whatever. The realtor says, no, no, this is not a violation. In other words, one path is what they say, this is a violation of the code of ethics. We're going to discipline you. We're going to kick you out of the real, t- whatever, right? That's one path, right? The other path is they say, this is not a violation because you didn't use hateful language because you didn't, you know, it was very politely expressed. That is going to make the other side livid. Exactly what you said. Like, but that's exactly what you're saying. Like you're saying, we're going to burn in hell. You don't. You don't use the yeah. language. You don't use those terms. But if I'm a sinner and my, it's you dog, know, like,
0: it's dog whistling,
1: right? It's if if who I am is hateful and is a sin in your religion, then you're telling me I'm going to burn in hell. Like, so no matter what, there's no win here, like NAR, MOR, no, they, there's no win. What that then says to me is whatever ends up happening with respect to this one case, what it clearly signals is that you can't have an NAR when people are that divided.
0: Well, I mean, it depends. I think, you know, if you look at the country and then say that NARs that have the same percentages, overwhelming. I don't think you're going to have a split of a 50-50. Now, yeah, so 74% of NAR's membership is white, probably conservative as well. But still, I don't, if the percentages work out, I mean, I think there's more people that are more accepting than polarizing on especially this subject, right? I mean, you have the fair housing. I mean, does fair housing come in this? I mean, you can't discriminate against anybody because of their orientation okay, or anything. Right, else. but that's I mean, the thing.
1: That's the thing. 10 five, the speech code had nothing to do with fair housing. It didn't have anything to do with if in your practice of real estate you discriminate against gays and lesbians or disc- then it's a like no one would have a problem with that. This was literally you made a statement. Right. Right. And again, it's gone past you made a statement to. You have these beliefs.
0: Well, yeah, and it is nuancy. So it'll be interesting to see what they come down on and see yeah. how that goes. Maybe they do take it um, that literal sense. It wasn't a hate speech, right? And then people will get pissed off. Correct. And then, you know, then we're going to maybe go. You know, as I said, there's like going to be code words. Correct. No, it's it's it's
1: it's going to. So all yeah. it, all I'm saying is what it points to is the existing division getting worse and worse. Yeah. And I don't think you could have a national organization of anything when you don't have a nation. And yeah. I don't think we have a nation, right? So it might be something else. I mean, it might be two separate organizations and they ally on some things and they don't ally on others. You know what I mean? Like, look, when it comes to talking about uh, flood insurance, we're together on that, right? When it comes to talking about transgender rights, we're not together on that. I mean, it might well, be one you, of those types of I mean, of you know, let's
0: go back to the policy stuff. There was a lot of people that spoke at NAR about, how they didn't want to have display listing commission. Right. I mean, you know, these are a little bit more heated yeah. <laughs> topics than yeah, just yeah. like compensation. <laughs> <Listing. Yeah. laughs> right. But but still, you're right. I mean, you yeah. know, there there can be differing opinions there. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's 2022 now. I mean, yeah. this, for people, I don't, yeah. Yeah. All yeah. right. So that's that.
1: Uh, what other major important?
0: I, I think, you know, I'll go, you know, let's go back, not to such a serious subject, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, let's talk, talk about the con- other consolidation that's been sure. happening. Right. I mean, my own company, Lone mm-hmm. Wolf had acquired four companies, two at a time yep. this year. We've seen other kind of acquisitions yep. happen. I think, you know, you know, we can talk about the vendor space, but I'll keep it on the other side that goes back to this kind of showing time Zillow thing. But to me, which kicked it off all with this this consternation that's going on in the MLS community is MLS Aligned, and that's mm-hmm. a, a consortium of MLSs of ARMLS and Milwaukee mm-hmm. and um, Utah and others bought the assets of um, Agent Inbox to create mm-hmm. their own sewing solution. Now, they haven't launched anything yet. But they will. They, they will, yeah, yep. and it's it's getting pretty close. Yep. But to me, that was kind of the spark that, that started some other things that happened sure. and that's the, um, you know, we can talk about
1: Kansas city. Uh, yeah. The Miami. failure of
0: remind, right. Yeah. And, and how their customer, they had to basically have a customer buyout. Yeah. Um, in that catastrophe. Right. So, but then there was also CRMLS. Yep. Yeah. Creating their own fund, so to speak to, to buy, you know, and make an investment in uh, what is it? Port step or,
1: I can't remember, I can't but remember. I mean, we know this is going to be a trend into 2020,
0: right? But to yeah. me, the MLS Alliance thing kind of kicked it off, right? Yeah, no doubt. Um, so, so to me, I'm a little bit cautiously, you know. I don't know. I'm a little bit worried about it as I stayed in the front. Where um, what are you worried about? Why does that concern you?
1: Well, again, it, I'm it, worried just, about it too. But I, I suspect you and my I we have different concerns. So I'm curious what your concerns are.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just it's it's the fear. To me, it all comes down to a lot of decisions being made on fear. Okay. Um, it's, and as I said before, to me, it smacks a little bit of like, I'm not a, you know, Keller Williams isn't a real estate company. We're a technology company. Yeah. Right. I've always been critical of like software companies that say we're made, we're realtors, software from realtors, made, for realtors, made by realtors. I mean, that, to right. me, like, okay, that's going to suck. Yeah. That is the, the, the biggest tell <laughs> is when I see that tagline, it's like, okay, this is going to suck. <laughs> now I don't I think the jury's out on like MLS software made by MLS, you know, by MLSs, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know. The jury's still out on that. But what it's causing is a lot of things in the industry. And this is a little bit inside baseball as far as in you know, in my world, because I'm still actively yeah, yeah. In the event. And yeah, selling yeah, yeah. and everything else. Yeah. But you know, now I have a situation where my customer is my competitor. Right. Right. So it's like, okay, I could have a showing service, but and I'm not Zillow, but I want to go in that market, but my customer's launching their own, yeah. right? And I got to compete in there. And, you know, it's never a good thing to bash your customer ever, right? Mm-hmm. But still, there's a little bit of sparring and give and take. And like, right. if I'm going to say to, let's just say, for instance, XMLS launches their own serving service and they have to be a, a customer of mine because they're yeah. providing one of my software solutions as a member benefit and say, yeah, yeah I saw that. That thing's a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you're paying me money for my software, right? And, and that's a harsh word, but, you know, basically you know, put it under the umbrella like your baby's ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That just caught, there's just a dynamic there that nobody really wants to talk about. And, and then, you know, the other fear is like they're looking at every vendor now is like, well, I don't know if I want to work with you. You could get bought by Zillow or mm-hmm. you could get bought by CoStar, you mm-hmm. know, those kind of things. It's just, it's just, it puts a lot of gunk in the machinery that we have here um, that you already was challenging. You know, it's challenging because there's really the TAM on the MLS community is really small because 400 of the 585 MLSs have less than 400 members. Right. 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 Um, It's already challenging because of agent churn. How many, you know, I think NAR, the quote I always read, like NAR said in five years, 87% of the realtors won't be here In five years, right? Right. So that churn's always a thing. It's a a challenge because of the longer sales cycle with selling houses. So I go back about this, you know, how they measure adoption, right? Well, if you're only selling three houses a year, you know, maybe they're not logging in every day, Yeah. (laughs) right? So Mm -hmm. how are you going to measure that? I mean, so it's so challenging otherwise just to add this other level of fear like, oh, I don't, you know, you, and then Mm -hmm. them launching their own product and you're now competing with your customer for, you know, and, and they're paying you for adoption, but they want to, they've spent so much money, time and energy to get theirs going. Um, It really is an existential crisis. (laughs) Existential crisis for vendors. For vendors and and for, for, for a subset of vendors. Absolutely. Right. 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 So I'm really, I'm watching that carefully, but I mean, to me, there's some other initiatives too. Let's talk about a bit of, just like what CRMLS and Bright and I think MRED are doing with this kind of talk about providing an API solution mm-hmm. where it's the same kind of data, but everybody has their kind of like way of looking like it's a showing service. Everybody could use this thing, but the, the data is in one place, mm-hmm. so you can kind of plug into it. Yeah. Um, but things like a showing service, they need the network effect really to... To really thrive and like when you have 10 competing showing services it's just a very tough thing yeah with that network effect to happen that's why i think despite zillow buying you know showing time it's still going to have a long life because they've already got that built they in. They have the
1: network effect yeah
0: um, absolutely and then just consolidation going forward i'm sure next year you're going to see you know i think the bigger companies that have been consolidating will consolidate themselves sure. right so sure. you'll see this thing going on and on but that whole consolidation stuff is just really fucking with everybody's mindset within organized real estate right now. Okay. Interesting.
1: I guess my my concern behind all of that has more to do with it'd be one thing if these guys could then be very effective. So this is my criticism around the four MLSs, right? And Kip Cooper showed me a, a t-shirt like Alpha Tiger, because yeah. you know, I'm sitting here like, look, I mean, it's it's hard enough to run a technology company when you're the CEO and you answer to like one single board of directors or one invest, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, and you work in a company like that, you know, it's hard enough when you're lone wolf with divisions and yeah, no Greg Roberts, the general manager with you know, like yeah, it's yeah. hard enough. Tell me about it. If you're being governed by like MLS boards, I can't even imagine how difficult that would be you know, where the board changes every year right? like, and then you have to have four of them <laughs> like, or MLS aligned. Like, look, you could talk whatever you want. And I understand all those guys all get along. They know each other and they feel like we can make decisions. Okay, cool. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. Right. My concern is it'd be one thing. If these MLSs that go out and become software companies become tech companies are then really good, like really effective. I don't know if the governance setup of most MLSs that I know of lend themselves to that. And this is a point that I've been making for what, like 10 years now? And this is an example of when we began this, I'm tired of like beating up the industry, you know, like talking about these things, critiquing things, like I'm tired of it. Because like, y'all know what my point is. And yet, like, you know, So, but at the same time, I do have to point it out in this specific context, right? Which is, look, it's hard enough to make technology changes, like if something happens as a tech company, you have to respond and react instantly, right? Okay. It's hard enough when you're a uniform company, when you're a Zillow, when you're a Coaster, when you're a lone wolf, it's hard enough to react and respond that quickly. If you got to take three months and multiple board meetings to make that decision, it's never going to fucking happen. Yeah, And I think my concern is sort of around that. A secondary concern is To your point, the vendors are sitting there looking at their customers saying, well, you're kind of my competitor, right? At some point, at some point, those vendors are going to have to go, well, why aren't we in their business then? Right. Right. Like if you're in my business, then why am I not in yours? And something that I think most MLSs and my clients, I tell this to all the time, was a lot of MLSs don't realize is your power is pretty fragile. Right. And it could be that in 2022 and you know, maybe into 2023 because of some of these, some of these things that the MLS have done, we might see that I, I'm kind of neutral about it. Like one way or the other, I don't want to see that happen. A part of me, cause I think the MLS people I know, you know, they're, they're really good people trying to do the right thing. But if we're setting things up in such a way that these systemic sort of things are changing, then, you know. Then maybe we see that
0: maybe yeah, we see it's, that. it's it's going to be very interesting to see how this yeah. turns out this year, yeah, with all this stuff as stuff being is going to be launched yeah, and what that yeah. is and I mean, yeah. it's hard. I mean, you know you talked about like with Remind with the four things I mean Remind, Remind had some really great tech, yep, they went out there, they had funding, and yep. they still didn't make it. yep, right, And that story's been told a thousand times by a thousand vendors. it's a tough business, and it's a yep. uh, and yep. any complexity you add on top of that is really just going to uh, make it harder. Make it harder, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah.
1: All right. Um, I guess if we're going to stay sort of on the lighter side of things, it is my own transformation, which is I've come to realize that the blockchain is the future of the
0: world. Right? Okay. So, are we going to lose half our audience right now, or is this?
1: We might, you know. <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I'm probably gonna have to do some more writing, more talking about this into 2021, 22. Cause one of my thoughts was, okay, there's plenty of people out there who are far more expert in this stuff than I am. Like, what, if anything, can I do to add some value? I think maybe some of the stuff I could do is just try and keep like, explain what's what. Right. But this thing is it's going to take over the fucking world, man. Like I'm pretty convinced of it. And again, I could be wrong. Right. I mean, I recorded uh, something with a friend of mine who thinks I'm crazy for you know, investing the Bitcoin. Who thinks it's all bullshit? and It's just you know a big bubble, and he might be right. I'm like, that, that's fine because I'm not investing my entire net worth into it. I'm just taking my Vegas gambling money and putting it towards that. So I don't, you know,
0: don't don't invest <coughs> what you don't that you're not comfortable losing, right? Or
1: that you exactly. I mean, that's how I, you know. Uh, but at the same time, just from a technology standpoint, this thing is, it's pretty profound. And I think as an industry, we just have no idea what's headed our way.
0: So I think, right. you know, we talked about this offline and like, I think there's like, it's like the seven stages of guilt or of grief, right? Yeah. yeah. There's like the seven stages of crypto, right? Where, yeah. And and I've, I'm experiencing <laughs> this myself, right? And that's like, you hear about this stuff, like, oh my God, these guys are just idiots. Like all the developers I remember at WNR went into this like seven yeah. years ago. And you just, yeah, I want to not talk nonstop. And then it's like, okay, it's still around. And then I'm thinking, you know what? If I have to learn crypto and blockchain, I'm out. Right. I'm just, right. I'll be that old guy on the lawn. Right. I just, I'm not on my lawn. This, yeah. Right? Yeah. And then it continues. And like, okay, well, I, I'm going to, I have to pay attention to this. People are talking about it. So I don't want to sound like I'm, unge- I have to educate myself about it so I can have clear and valid kind of arguments or some understanding of knowing what I'm talking about. So, I got there. Obviously, you got there. So we started yeah. doing research. Yeah, and then you start, you start applying that kind of knowledge to what your own your own um, personal kind of expertise are in, and and yeah. you and I would be that real estate. And you yeah. say, well, okay, well that's interesting, right? Then you have to me, which has happened this past year, culturally is with NFTs, mm-hmm. and really the even the, to me the metaverse stuff mm-hmm. that everybody talks about is coming into that, and what that is is brought to a level is the content that's out there podcasts and mm-hmm. and writings that you can kind of now are a little more accessible as it because they're dumbing down a lot of things for yep. you know mere human like me to understand i'm not at the edge where now i'm just you know a blockhead crypto fucking you know savant yeah. uh, cheerleader yeah. but if it's seven steps i'm on step four or five right now buddy right on uh, man so when i hear you talk about it i know you're you're probably a couple steps ahead of me but um I do think I don't think I'm something... that far
1: ahead of, yeah because I'm not quite at the point of like some of the Bitcoin maxis who think it's going to fundamentally change the world and you know like yeah, it's going to fundamentally change the world, but not to the extent that you think because people are still people, culture is still important, and so on and so forth
0: so what would, what would you do because I think a lot of our audience is going to be like I was or like you were yeah. like, oh God, fuck I don't you know I don't have time yeah. for this, right yeah and then you think about real estate, you know you're talking about you know, I think the majority are 60-year-old women, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Not exactly. Um, not to say anything about women or sixty-year-olds, yeah. As I get closer to one of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, not exactly the demographic for this type of stuff. But, no, I mean, that, are there right. resources that you can kind of like recommend that people go um look at? I could put the show notes maybe about you those? know,
1: not not for that audience yet, because it's still really freaking high level. Maybe the only thing I would say is it might be helpful. I think the best book I've read on this particular topic that's written for more like a layman audience is uh, the Bitcoin standard by safety Namus. And he has a podcast. He has a YouTube channel. So it's worth checking out something like that. Now he's a big time Bitcoin maxi. He's, you know, like, you know, he's way the hell out there. And he's very, how do I put this? He's uh, he's quite an extremist if you will. Mm-hmm. So he might be a big turnoff to a lot of people. So I don't know if that's necessarily the best, um, but that's what I'm thinking. Like maybe I'm going to spend a little bit of time this year on is just trying to explain, like, it's like, as an example, uh, like real simple things, people tend to conflate all of it together. Like Bitcoin, blockchain, meme coins, you know, doge and NFTs and crypto. And they sort of discredit the whole because mm-hmm. you're right. Look, I mean, it doesn't make sense to me that some digital art NFT, right? That was algorithmically generated went for like $65 million, right? Which is what like a Rembrandt would go for. Like there's a part of me that feels like there's no way that that thing is worth the same as, as a great master you know, that has been around for 500 years and has still remained valuable for whatever artistic, you know, like I just, you're not going to get me to that point. So you can look at it and go, "That's a bubble. That's total bullshit. It doesn't make any sense. How a bunch of pixels of an ape is somehow worth more than a Rembrandt? Like that doesn't make any sense to anybody."
0: Well, art—that's art. But that's you art. Just, I mean, you could
1: get you into described that. art right there, right? I don't true. see how
0: bank a, a spray painting on a wall that Banksy made that somebody cut out. Right. True. Before, so there's you know there's a lot million of that. dollars. I mean right. now that yeah
1: there's a lot of that. But then you go from there to say therefore because that's bullshit. Metaverse is bullshit, right? And therefore, because the metaverse is bullshit, we're never gonna just have these giant goggles on our heads. Because of that, right. that means that Bitcoin is bullshit. And I'm like, actually, no, they're separate things. Yeah, they're really, really separate things. And uh, and who knows? Again, I could just be wrong, right? Because you and I both lived through the first dot com yeah. bubble, right? And I was actually talk, thinking about this and talking about this recently. Of all the companies are around during Web 1.0, like that first era of dot-com, how many are still left?
0: Right. It's now I, I I think it's
1: three that I could think of. It's Amazon, it's eBay, and it's Yahoo. I couldn't remember like who else was around, like Lycos, gone, InfoSeek gone, you know, MySpace gone. You know what I mean? Like all these dot like 1.0 companies are gone. Yeah. Right. So I feel like it's going to be kind of the same thing. And if you remember, you know, back then, like 1998, 1999, dude, there was a lot of hype. There were a lot of scammers and a lot of fakes and just a lot of bullshit, right?
0: Yeah, I guess Google was in there, but that was a little bit, maybe a little bit later. I think Google was a
1: little bit later, right?
0: It was after Yahoo for sure.
1: Yeah, and certainly let's put it this way. Like none of us saw that coming, right? None of us saw Google, okay, search engine. So I could find some website. Mm-hmm. None of us saw that becoming what Google has become. Right where yeah, I remember
0: going to bookstores and buying like a book or yeah, I didn't buy one, but seeing a book about places you could go on the internet. Yeah, <laughs> think about that. Yeah, yeah a yeah. book you would buy, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, and you know, I remember like electronic mail was you know AOL disks. Yeah, and then Google comes out with Gmail. Yeah, and we're like, what the fuck? Like, and, it, and the first version of Gmail was a piece of shit. Like, Hotmail. I remember a lot right. of folks like, I have Microsoft Outlook. Why would I ever use this webmail thing? You know, it's slow yeah. as hell and it's not sophisticated.
0: So, you're it's saying like we're in those kind of early
1: times? We're now. super early. So, yeah, I feel pretty confident that like 95% of all of the blockchain coins and token, pro- all of 95% of it is all going to go away. Just like 95% of web 1.0 companies all went away.
0: Yeah. And I think like, and it's to, to- to kind of expand that analogy for you, it's it's like, who knew that searching the internet was the killer app for that? Sure. Right? We didn't sure. know that at that time. Sure. Right? We had to go through a process yeah. to figure that out.
1: But that was but, 1.0, right? Yeah. No, think but, about this.
0: But, but but what is going to be the killer app? I don't think right. we... I think we're so Nobody in... Knows. in We're so myopic now in this, in Correct. this one phase to realize Correct. what that's going to be. Now, the guys that figure that out, they're right. going to be the... The Jeff Bezos and the, and the correct, and, right. and the the Sergis, everybody else, and that kind of thing. For right. sure. and that's why I feel like it's
1: it's worth engaging in now, just just to like have some other people. And there's a part of me that feels like if I'm just a real estate agent out there selling houses, I don't need to know about any of this stuff. You know, I don't need to know about the blockchain. I don't need to know about crypto. I don't need to know about any of this stuff. But I should just focus on what I do. So there's a big part of me that feels that way. However, if you're an MLS CEO. If you're a technology company CEO, then I do think you have to at least think about what this technology could do for you, yeah. right? In much the same way, back in 1998, I'm sorry, there's no reason for a, a real estate agent to have a website. You know what I mean? In 1998, no, right? Right. But if I'm, a, if I'm Bob Hale, right, maybe I want to think about what does this mean for my MLS business, right? It's that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, so that's kind Bob, of
0: that's Bob Hale's a great example because right? He figured out that, you know, having your own association website yep. with listings on it was a good asset and yep. he that based, yep. that decision that that forward thinkingness made yep. him
1: literally just going out and getting the url har.com.
0: Yeah.
1: Back when you could get three letter urls. Do you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. So it's it's no, something a, like that's that. That's 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 a great example. I mean, I would say to people and I think, you know, for the thing that I that I worry about and not worry about, but I think for people to engage in the conversations I think you want to have with them is getting that base level understanding. And mm-hmm. what I would what I would recommend to people is, you know, YouTube. Yeah. There there are thousands, there are probably millions of videos yeah. on just start looking for that one site, yep. that one guy that can explain those things to you. Yep. Um, I know that after I got a bit more comfortable in everything. There was a recent podcast from Tim Ferriss mm-hmm. with uh, Chris Dixon from uh, A16Z mm-hmm. and Novell, who's a very uh, great kind of thinker, part yeah. of the angel list, things like that. And that conversation, I like, you know, like we're having, having really three intelligent, you know, people talk about, to me, like Tim Ferriss is intelligent, but he he's more that everyday man that can, like, yeah. he understands, but he can bring these really smart guys into down to earth to talk. But yeah. there was a recent podcast at Novell, Chris Dixon, and uh, Tim Ferriss did that was really insightful to me, bringing it all together—the NFTs and the blockchain and everything yep. else—and and a lot of their show notes have some links to some good resources also. So, yep. I think anybody that's um, going to participate in this conversation with you and they want to educate themselves first because. Yeah. I used to poo-poo this a lot. I would make jokes on stage about, "Me like, too." If I have to learn the blockchain. I'm out, yeah. right? Dude, I'm a blockhead. Too. I'm not a blockchain. So, yeah, yeah. me too. We all like have to a, learn. Yeah,
1: 2019, I wrote a giant post writing this off. It's like this feels like a problem, a solution in search of a problem.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, that was 2019. So, I, I'm right there with you. It's just I'm starting to see some things. I'm starting to put the piece together. So, from a 2021 retrospective, I guess for me that that's it. Like I, I'm I'm seeing it. it. Like the light bulb went out, went off. So going forward, I think it's a matter of trying to add some value, trying to be helpful. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll say this on a lot of things. If you're just an agent broker in the field, this is, you don't need to be paying attention to this. Yeah. Right. It's just, but that's not never been my audience. Anyway, you know, my audience, our audience for, you know, have always been leaders, have always been CEOs, have always been people whose job was to be strategic, you know, and for them. Yeah, absolutely. You need to at least learn a little bit about this stuff. And don't just write it off, and and I think if we manage that, man, I think you know we'll, we'll have provided some level of service, right? Because it's it, this is what we can do. Yeah. We can take all this technology stuff. We can take these things that the the real smart guys, the real geniuses, the A sixteen z and Jack Dorsey, and these guys are working on, try to understand it and then apply it to our industry.
0: Yeah, I think you know you know one thing that um, I took is feedback from somebody, and I think this this applies here is that. I had done a, I'm not sure if it was you and I or was it on my other podcast, but I basically interviewed a a mortgage guy mm-hmm. and I wanted to understand about forbearance, mm-hmm. right? Because I didn't understand how that was going to affect all the shit that was going on with the pandemic. This is a 2020. Yeah. And, and, you know, being in the residential side and not like you were, I think we're in the mortgage side a bit. I didn't, yeah. I'm not really don't come from hard money, soft money, all the, all the jargon. And I don't really understand that as well, probably as I should. Yeah. And I thought, well, you know what, this forbearance stuff is like, this is affecting kind of what we're doing. I need to get educated about this. So I thought, you know, the best way of like about doing this is I don't have any shame or any kind of uh, I'm not going to put on airs like, I'm the smartest guy in the world. Right. I'm going to get some guy that I knows, knows this subject up and down and I'm going to ask him the questions I'm going to ask. And if I look like I'm a dumb shit, I'm going to look like a dumb shit. I, if That's I can fine. be a dumb shit for everybody because yes. they're afraid to ask those questions. And I yeah. tell you, I got more than two or three people came to me, a couple of MLS executives, you know, Greg, thank you for having that podcast because yeah. you were asking the same kind of questions yeah. I would ask, but I would never yeah. ask that because I'd be afraid that I was like, I, that people would think you should know that. Yeah, or, you should know exactly. That. Well, I mean, I don't know everything, but exactly. I think I would say for you, maybe us, but for you, especially I think that's a good thing. If you could put some people that are smart about this, Mm -hmm. that you could ask some questions. Like I think before you can make an impact on this stuff, I think anybody can is, I think there's gotta be a lot of education to start off with.
1: There's no doubt. And, and the difficult thing is this is so hard to wrap your head around. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Like I said, it took me probably six months of solid, just reading, watching every video, reading like it before it's like started to click. And I, I, I still, I'm still a total novice. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm so total novice and I, and certainly the math and the tech, the actual computer science is way beyond me. everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, like I, I start reading some white papers and I just get quickly lost. Like, okay. They start talking about, you know, Merkle trees and how multiple hash, like <laughs> I'm, I'm done yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm a philosophy major. Like that's, but like, once I understand the concept, like, oh, okay. I see how that could then potentially work towards something in our space. And I think that's where it'll be interesting because there's no doubt it's going to impact things. Yeah. So let's wrap up. This was cool, man. Uh, no, so I,
0: I think we went yeah over an hour, but I think it's okay. I think so, especially
1: yeah. since we've you know not done one since yeah. August. So let's. I guess in wrapping up, it really is. Hey, great to be back. Absolutely. Great That you Good and I are both yeah making the commitment to try and do this on a real regular basis. And, and we, have, we have we have a date set up
0: for the next recording, right?
1: That's right. We do. And oh. uh, we're going to make some investments to making all of this better. We're going to utilize video a lot more in the coming year.
0: Well, we don't want to reveal too much here, Rob. That's keep right. I know
1: going. it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. It's yeah. going to be real good shit. <laughs> and uh, once again, apologies to uh, all of our listeners for being away for so long, but we will be back. And uh, hopefully having more regular conferences like this and inviting experts in all various areas to come speak with us about some of these topics i think and and everybody
0: everybody out there um i know rob feels the same but i want to say this too it's just um i hope you have a great 2022 absolutely i hope you have a great year i hope it's your best year ever Uh, you know what i think it's going to be your best year ever yeah i just feel really passionate about the industry and a lot of smart people out there and i'm looking forward and excited about this new year and uh, just from the bottom of my heart you know happy new year to everybody
1: absolutely happy new year everybody
0: thank you for listening to another episode of industry relations rob and i both appreciate your support if you can find the time please visit wherever you listen to your podcasts and give us a five-star rating and write a quick review it really does help the show thanks again and from rob and i be good to each other bye